Hello, friends and travelers. Thanks for listening. You are riding along on the Hostel Road Trip Podcast. Our mission is to spread awareness of the true hostel experience in the Americas and share stories from the fascinating hosts who create those unique facilities. I'm your host, Jimmy Black, joined alongside co-founder of International Traveler's House, Bobby Dyer, and Eric Faria, co-founder of World Packers. Each session, we sit down with hostel operators or travel influencers to hear about their road success, discuss trending hostel topics, and close with tips for travelers who are seeking to have the ultimate experience when visiting each destination. You can't afford to miss this trip. Now fasten your seatbelts and let's hit the road. All right. Hello, friends and fellow travelers. Welcome to another episode of Hostel Road Trip. My name is James Black, and I'm here alongside with Bobby Dyer. We are the co-founders of ITH Hostels and Ecologin. Also here with us hosting is Eric Faria, co-founder from World Packers. Our good friend from episode one, Byron, is joining us from American Hostels. And then we have Joe and Elena, the co-founders of Providence Hostel and Guesthouse, which is the first ever hostel, if I'm not mistaken, in Providence, right? As far as we know. As far as we know, I believe so. As a resident of Rhode Island who was born and raised here, it's very proud of me to be here doing this as I always was dreaming and saying that there should be a hostel in Providence or Newport and uh, so happy to, to finally see that come to fruition. Uh, but we've got a great panel here for tonight and we're... We're looking forward to diving into your experience personally, but also what your facility has to offer, what the underlying mission and plans of your facility are, and then uh, these exciting, uh, this exciting news about this province to Boston Jump and expansion. <laughs> uh, this is, you know, as we just came from Boston a couple of nights ago, and, and so the hostels were up there and had to offer. Mm-hmm. So I think that. Uh, an operation like this is very much needed up there. So, sure, yeah. thank you. Some behind the scenes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We we got a little bit of a scoop on what's going on. Sure. So as we uh, jump into it, I said we really just want to start to hear first about your story and your journey, as it's such a uh, an issue in America with awareness, and that's the reasoning of our podcast here is to bring about awareness within the industry, and we think it's great that we can have other uh, Americans participate in this podcast series to represent uh, this demographic and to give them more insight into it. So, Joe, I'll start with you. How, what was your first hostel experience? Um, so, like a typical American, mm-hmm. I had no idea what a hostel was mm-hmm. until I went to college. And after I graduated from college, uh, my friend that was in college at the time, he's like, let's go take a trip around America. And I was like, eh, I don't know if I have a budget for that. And he's like, nah, but we'll like camp out sometimes. We'll stay in hostels and stuff. And it's like, hostels? What's that? Mm-hmm. And he kind of explained to me, and I didn't get the idea until much later when I joined Couchsurf and I met up with Alina. Oh, and we, yeah, we yeah. went to Couchsurf about 12 years ago. Yeah, That's awesome. awesome. I was living in New York. He was in Boston. Mm-hmm. And I always like to stay with locals, so we connected. Right. All right. Little did we know we'd become business partners. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's so cool. And couch surfing is, uh, you know, in a type of accommodations that I think is a good bridge into hostels in yeah. a lot of ways. Right. And I, I don't know if that it's phased out a little bit in the past years. I feel like, uh, but I feel the same. But yeah. That may be because I'm in the hostel industry. And that's I true. That's so true. Much into the yes, couch yeah. Yeah. 
Couchsurfing was the beginning of my hospital, to mm-hmm. be honest. I was living in New York. I had a tiny... My first experience couchsurfing was as a guest in Denmark, in Copenhagen. And I loved it. My host was amazing. Just gave me the key, trusted me fully. I was blown away. I'd never received that amount of trust yes. before I even earned it. With a stranger, yes. And I was like, wow, I want to do that. And I, I kind of tend to throw myself all out into something I love. Huh. Came back to New York, and in my tiny studio, I would host like five people who would all meet at my house. So I was a kind of mini free hostel. Oh, <laughs> You were one of these people, okay. Just air, yeah, yoga mats on the floor. Um, the fancy might Couch. be an arrow bed. Oh, or yeah. Only four. yeah. And then little by little from there, I started selling the spots on Craigslist for oh. 20 bucks a night. Okay. That was much cheaper than a hostel. Yeah. So it was just all kind of not quite... <laughs> legal, shall we say. Yes, yeah, a lot of gray area in the hostel gray industry, area. especially years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ask for forgiveness, not for permission. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I was loving it, and I was a, a fine, my daytime job was, I was a financial planner. Mm-hmm. It was an office job, it was very boring. Mm-hmm. I learned a lot. I'm using those skills now. That's great. So this story, obviously, you know, we're in Providence now, but it feels like we've got to cover New York before we get here. <laughs> so we're in New York, and this is, you know, it's great because we're not on uh, planning to go through New York City mm-hmm. on this current trip, so it would be great to kind of talk about the problem that New York City's had with their yes, hostel industry, as this is uh, indicative of the bigger problem that we have, mm-hmm. where you have municipalities that do not recognize hostels right. for zoning reasons, for variance reasons, for permitting reasons, and it, and it creates an instant roadblock and an already difficult process of opening a small business. Mm-hmm. So with you being there during this turbulent time, uh, fill us in. So all of a sudden, one day, New York City says no more hostels. What what happened there? Ah, uh, <laughs> okay. So I feel like often when political things happen, there's a moral reason that mm-hmm. they use to justify, and then there's the real reason. Ah. So the moral reason they use to justify is, oh, this is this is taking away housing stock for from those who can't afford it, which if that were the only reason, then make a category, create a zoning category where you will allow it. But in fact, the, the real reason behind it is that the hotel lobbyist is very powerful. Yes. And they were losing a lot of money at mm-hmm. a time when hostels were raising their rates. So we were really following this very closely because we saw it developing. In advance, okay. Yeah, so hotels got together and basically paid huge sums of money to politicians, Mm -hmm. and then a law was passed that explicitly made hostels illegal illegal, in all but name. They didn't say hostels are illegal, but they said if X, Y, and Z, basically a hostel, Mm -hmm. you're not allowed. Well, then, but you might be allowed, but no more than three beds in a room. Unless you're non-profit, because really you want to protect HR. So protect the big boy. So as of right now, there are only really two like legal hostel in New York. In New York. Uh, the rest, are, yeah, the rest are like hotels. Do it kind of like hostel, yeah. smaller. Because doors. to be fully legal, you have to be nonprofit, but also they will not allow any more nonprofit. Yeah, there you go. You got to be this, but we're not handing out anymore. Yeah, yeah. So that's twenty two. Yeah, it's like the bar permit because at one point we were mm. looking to open a bar. You, mm-hmm. Pretty much impossible to get a bar permit right. in New York because everyone wants it. Yeah. Here's a phenomenal thing that we observed when they shut down. There was a massive sweep. All happened on a Sunday morning at 7 a.m. Oh. by the Department of Buildings, DOB. Yeah. 
we were, we had, we had, we had a good friend who was helping us out for us to not be affected. That's all I'm going to say on that. Sure. But at that time, when that massive sweep happened, all of the hostels, even one that was legal because it was nonprofit per the new definition, even that one, they all got shut down except HI. Except. All across the board. Sounds like a dirty deal. What a phenomenal thing we observed the very next day. So if the day before we would get one Airbnb request, all of a sudden we were getting 20 Airbnb requests. We managed to stay afloat. Yeah. Floating on that one. Gotcha. Yeah. I feel like we saw the big turning point in what made Airbnb really kick off because they were already good with SEO. So if you're looking up hostel, uh, we were calling all the hostels because all the guests got got shut out. Yeah. We wish we had more beds. Yeah, yeah you could have done well. Yeah. Overnight, yeah. our request for Airbnb went through the roof. Oh, that's fascinating. You know, and I think in the prior episode, we covered a lot with Byron here on the advantages it would have if we had our own association yeah. like the hotels do, because mm-hmm. we don't have the strength in numbers. Yes. So when something like that happens, we're fragmented and we can't stand up against the big guy. But now there are a lot of hostels out there that if we did collectively stand together, mm-hmm. we could have a voice that's powerful enough to have that type of influence, hopefully in the future. I believe it. All right, so you stay afloat, and you decide we're going to exit New York because this is hostile grounds yes. for our industry. No pun intended on the word. But uh, yeah. now, so what made you choose Providence? Did you have prior connections, or did you do a, a research and just see that there wasn't one in Providence and it needed one? What? Well, it was a, a, a series of coincidental, quote-unquote, oh, events. Okay. Um, so during the same time where we're looking to exit New York, um, my friend or ex-friend now, okay. uh, had a business proposition for okay. in Providence with some properties and stuff. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's a side story. Okay. But because I was looking at properties in Providence, I found a good property that was able to do a hostel. That zoning was zoned appropriate. Right here, right. where right. we're sitting. Beautiful. Right. So you got the right zoning. You're surrounded by a lot of commercial stuff. Exactly. So you got that proper right. zoning. Neighbors love us. Great, yeah. All right. Yeah. But there's a little bit more to it. We were actively scouting something outside of New York City because we recognized New York City was unfriendly. And we thought, so we were looking at Detroit. We were looking at Burlington, Vermont. Oh, these are cool cities. Yeah, and we're the owner to buy it because there's a hospital for sale there. And then then Providence was just, it was a godsend because it it really tick-marked everything. It does. Ideally, we wanted a city that had no hostel. Right, no competition. Ideally, we wanted a city that would be close to New York City, because that's my home. (laughs) And close to Boston, because that's Joe's home. There we go. And you're on that track. Exactly. Three hours from New York City, one hour from Boston. Mm -hmm. I needed it to be a progressive city, because Mm -hmm. I I can't be surrounded by... Very progressive city. (laughs) Not close-minded here, that's for sure. Yeah. By Trumpists. Yes. You can. Am yeah. I allowed to be political? We try not to be, but we're in Providence, so you okay. can slay down a little bit. I don't think we're going to find anyone outside that's going to be upset about that. Right. And then the other really important thing, we wanted it to be a university town, and there's five universities. I was here. telling them on the way in, they were like, what is there? Just one college. Like, this is a college town. Brown University, yeah. which is an Ivy League. Mm-hmm. Rhode Island School of Design. Top art school. Airbnb guys came from there. Yeah. 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 And then Johnson and Wales, which doesn't get as much publicity, but it's culinary. Top mm-hmm. for culinary, and that actually brings the other big draw for us. 
Providence has an amazing food scene. Unbelievable. Yeah. Federal Hill, yeah. and then a lot of the little neighborhoods that have broken out. Yeah. As we were saying before, it reminds me of a little New York City because you have all these culture yeah. bastions and neighborhoods. Yeah. And then with right. that comes those type of neighborhood yeah. restaurants, the mom and pop shops. Yeah. And yeah. a lot of their grads end up opening shop here because it's affordable. Yes. Which I forgot. The other main draw of Providence was it's so affordable compared to Boston, everything's New affordable York. compared to yeah. New York, yeah. Boston. But it's just affordable compared to other cities. Mm -hmm. Very true. Yeah. You know, so. No, I've I've always thought that for the, the longest time that you know it it needed one, and then I could always say, why isn't there one? You know, because you start to go through the check marks as we say. Yeah. And usually, you're like, well, it has this, but it doesn't have that. Is it worth it? And I'd always tick those off and be like, yeah, I, I don't know why someone isn't doing that. So yeah. I was very excited to meet you last year at the hustle right, conference. Right. You're like, I opened up, I was like, that's awesome. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, so exactly. yeah. And that's what we kind of Yeah, it. yeah. So it was just so, uh, so great to hear that someone had done that. So now, this project that you're working on now, yeah. would you say that it has a similar mission? Than your New York project that's carried through, or has that changed in any way due to the new city or surrounding you're in? I think it has a different mission mm -hmm. due to the fact that I've changed. Please tell me. <laughs> tell me about your evolution. Sure. Yeah. So I think the one in New York, the mission was to get as many people into the door and provide a clean, fun place. I think as I've grown and become a little bit more spiritual, and I'm working on my own self development and kind of my my mission for being alive, for being here, and I've more come to ask myself, what kind of person do I want to be? And I've done all kinds of um, growth. Um, I want it to become more of a spiritual hospital. <laughs> like the yoga and the meditation yeah, downstairs. I'm on yeah. 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 We do the same with yoga and meditation at our hostels, yeah. Wow. And we like to have that experience. You know, people, a lot of times, just think you're getting drunk and you're trying to get laid and that's the only yeah. thing you're here for. Yeah. But we really try to make it a, an educational experience with the culture yeah. and uh, also to offer those other type of activities that don't yeah. revolve around drinking or partying. Exactly. Wellness is definitely a big thing now yeah. for travelers. Yeah. 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 Okay, so we're going to take a quick break sure. and uh, we'll return next to talk about some trending topics yeah. uh, and uh, stay tuned for more. This podcast is fueled by CloudBeds, the America's premier real-time property management cloud-based software. Managing over 17,000 properties worldwide, including six of my own. Handling all of our needs from managing guests and reservations, distributing room availabilities, saving inventories, and collecting payments. Now, a big part of our objective with this podcast is hostile awareness within the industry because... We feel through our experience, and I'm sure you could share it in the same way, that the perception is quite bad in this country. From dealing with municipality people to dealing with guests or potential guests, they think of hostels as shacks for homeless people, places where you're going to get bed bugs, places where you're going to get murdered by some stranger. Yeah. It's very unfortunate, but a big part of our objective here in this podcast is to break down those barriers and to educate the people a little bit more and make them more willing to try it that one time, just like we have our friends out in Bunk and Brew in Oregon having that type of awareness campaign of coming inside and try this so that it can break down those barriers and educate the people so that they're more willing to try it because I think we could also all agree once they try it, 9 out of 10 love it. Right. right. And they're, I'm never staying in a hotel again. <laughs> yeah. So what are your thoughts about the current perception 
of the industry in the U.S.? Well, not good. It's not okay. good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we belong to this uh, tourism chamber of commerce uh, mm -hmm. type of in Providence. Yeah, in okay. Providence. And when we introduce ourselves, you know, mm -hmm. and people come up to ask us about our business, we always ask them, "Have you stayed in hostel before?" And their answer back is somewhere along the lines of, "Now, I, well, I can afford it to not stay in a hostel." Yes. Yes. So that's <laughs> very true. Yeah. yeah. The reason you stay in a hostel is because it's cheap. You're poor. And yes, right. it can be cheaper, but there's the community aspect. Yeah. Yeah. There's the ability to cook. There's the ability to meet other people. Mm -hmm. um, forge connections. Yeah. You can't get that in a hotel. You can't afford to miss it. That's what I. Right. Say. Yeah. That's what I tell it. when they tell me that. Yeah. Now you shared that you actually, uh, you guys met and you started a business. And a shared experience. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. we could have just as easily met in a hostel. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we happen to have met through couchsurfing, mm -hmm. but we would probably not have met if we were both staying at the same hotel. Mm -hmm. Because the nature of the hotel is that you go to your own room, and then the other person goes to their own room. There's you're not really encouraged to socialize right. as you are in a hostel yeah. setting. Now, I also, with your name, it's very interesting as we've discussed this in other topics, other episodes, uh, generator hostels, for example, in America, they've recently dropped hostel from their name because they had such a hard time getting the American millennial demographic to get on board with this. And that's intimidating because imagine the budget they have at generator hostel to have overcome that and they still couldn't do it. So we were talking about it and it's interesting how a lot of other places have just started to drop the name. And in our opinion, that's so very unfortunate because yeah. it's a quick way out to say, like, well, I'm going to run a hostel, but I'm not going to call it a hostel because I'm afraid of being called a hostel. Right. And I've, a big part of our mission here is to make people empowered to say, mm -hmm. no, I run a fucking hostel. Right. Yeah, that's what I do. You know, and not to shy away from like, I'm a hostel. So you made an interesting combination in right. yours where you called it a hostel and a guest house. That's right. And I like that because you're not running away from the hostel. Right. But you're also letting some other people know that this doesn't have to be completely perceived as right. this. It's because we also offer private rooms. In the second some location. Some people don't know yes. that a hostel offers private room. And in this day and age, almost every hostel mm. offers a private room. Yes, it's so true. Yeah. And, and you can capture more of an Asian ref. Like, a, like a, I, all the numbers always say, like, we're trying to capture everyone 18 to 30 or 18 to 35. I just turned 35, so I always ask them, like, what do I do next year? Jump off the bridge? Like, do you take me up to pasture and shoot me? You know, I don't know. Uh, you know, yeah, yes. I still feel as vibrant as ever in the industry, and I have more to give, and I want to you know, learn more, and I feel like I can still become a better hostile manager and owner day by day. Like, I feel... Better at 35 as a hospital manager than I did at 25. Exactly. You know, I looked better at 25, but, you know, this is a podcast thing. <laughs> so, here we are. And, uh, but that private room is that element. So now when we travel, like, I still want to go to the activity. I still want to socialize. But sure, I'll, I'll get a private room. I'm a cheap state. Yeah. I still do the door. And then, they, but, and then they start yelling at my snoring. And I need a private room. I go, oh, I'm in a different room. Okay. <laughs> but there are options. And then I always do like to highlight that. And I'm sure you've had the same experience. I've seen 70 and 80 year olds hop in a top bunk. Right. You know, like with not even a, a moment's hesitation. And I always like to highlight that those older travelers, they've been everywhere those younger travelers want to go. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times they'll find the circle around them by the end of the night because they're sharing all their wisdom. You know, so there could be a lot of cool uh, elements to that. Uh, but with that generator, 
yeah. element with your name choice. Mm -hmm. Was that ever an obstacle for you with this, you know, Providence project of, you know, being called a hostel? Did you ever think of not using the word no. hostel? Yeah. No, we never no, thought we never not thought to use it. We wanted to add the word guest house to to allude to the fact that there's private rooms mm -hmm. and that we're some kind of hybrid, mm -hmm. and also to allude to the fact that we're smaller. I okay. feel that guest house implies a smaller, yeah. homier. I do right. like that. Yeah. Yeah. But in terms of trends, I, I do want to talk about something that I'm, I'm very excited to notice. Please. So, back in the day, I'm 39, I started hostels about 20 years ago, traveling at them. Okay. And when I started, it was a lot of people who were my age at that time, early 20s, um, college graduates. I'm very excited to notice an increasing trend of an expanding demographic. Mm. We've had grandparents come with their grandkids. They wanted to introduce them to the ho to a hospital. That's awesome. We have, and I'm, and I'm very excited to see a lot of people having professional corporate jobs asking themselves, what am I doing with my life? Yeah. Quitting their job. And where are they going to stay when they're traveling for a year? In a hospital. Yes. Find yourself. Yeah. yeah. So I'm seeing a lot more people who are leaving the rat race and asking themselves what their real mission is. Yeah. And, and also, interestingly enough, um, through sites like World Packers, which we, we are a user and we love using World Packers, those are the sites that connect... Um, connect us to those people who quit their job because World Packers, um, I don't know if your listeners know, they allow someone who is in another country to say, where do I want to go? Mm, Paris. And then look up Paris and see what kind of uh, free accommodation they can find in exchange for some hours. Mm. And we're getting people who are looking for doing that in the U.S. And we've had an architect from Germany mm -hmm. with his girlfriend who was a teacher. His job said to him, Nikki, you're a great architect, but you'd be even better if you took a year off, traveled around the, around the world, got inspired as to how people do architecture in the rest of the world. Oh my and Lord. we encourage you to do it. And by the way, if you don't do it, we're going to fire you're you. You're fired. Imagine that. <laughs> the opposite of America. Yeah. And we'll keep your job for you. Yeah. Oh, you yeah. have to go. Yeah. yeah. This was a while ago. We're still friends with Nikki and Maya. Yeah. They're actually back in Germany. Uh, Maya herself was questioning if she still wanted to be a teacher. She's now started her own business. Mm -hmm. And I feel like staying at hostels, you meet so many people who are not the demographic that they were 20 years ago. Yeah. Not just a 20-year-old or a 25-year-old. Yeah. 35-year-olds, 50-year-olds. Mm -hmm. We've had 70-year-olds. We had a professor on sabbatical traveling yeah. for a year. I'm excited to see that develop. I think that's great. We touched on that in Byron's episode, the gap year, and how much more prevalent that is outside of the U.S., yes. but how it would be great if it was promoted more in the U.S. And I think you're so right in the way that, you know, it was very much a common trend that if you had a job, you kept it for 30, 40 years, and you got your pension, and that doesn't happen anymore. And you change jobs a lot more. You have to find yourself to reinvent, reinvent yourself. And I think that even at this table right here, yeah. you have everyone here in that same way. You used to work at KPMG. You worked at Morgan Stanley. <laughs> you know, like this is... You, you worked know, at New York Times. Yeah, you, know, so you, have, yeah. you, you have people that just uh, disconnect from top right. yeah. elements of that different culture and yeah. find themselves in this uh, different forum, which I really do think can help you find yourself because you find mm -hmm. so many different outlets, you know, right. it's like dating multiple different people when you're young to find out who you like, yeah. you know, you can find out a lot about yourself by hanging around with different people. Yeah, it's exciting that there's websites that enable you 
to find, you know, find a gig where you could stay for free mm -hmm. in exchange for working some Helps hours. Helps you prolong that gap year. Yeah, it would. Yeah, I, I think that's fantastic. Yeah, and uh, so with the sharing economy, we've been seeing a lot of growth in that with Uber and Lyft and Airbnb. Yeah. And uh, for you guys here in Providence, how have you seen uh, or competed with or been a part of Airbnb? Oh, sure. Even... So Airbnb is both our competition and our supplier. Like us, as, yeah. As you know, yeah. yeah. Um, I do feel that um, we, we're in a lucky situation that we are the only hostel. So we're not... You know, we're, we're it. And actually, that, that created a very interesting phenomenon. We got very tired of um, Hostel World, the, the website. Am I allowed to say yeah. that? Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that, okay. If we didn't have a bashing session yeah. on them, I don't think we could close. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, as a lot of, a lot of travelers, the front end user, do, do not know that the booking engines charge a huge commission. Mm -hmm. House to World mm -hmm. certainly is up, one of them. Up, and yeah. they impose these horrible restrictions on us as the hostel owner. owner. Mm -hmm. And we're like, you know what? We're just going to unlist ourselves from being on your site. Oh, and we're not in Hostel World. And, yeah. and, we can, and we've been just fine. Yeah. We get so many so many bookings through our own site. A lot of hostels offer you cheaper rate when you book on their yeah. own site. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, so that's that's the fortunate position. Have you seen a different kind of traveler uh, that uses Airbnb versus maybe like an Airbnb traveler versus a uh, I don't know, traveler that say books direct or books on a different Yeah, booking? I would say generally the people who are booking direct, they're looking specifically for a hostel. Mm -hmm. um, Whereas the Airbnb, or they might just be, they're more prone to book our private room. Right. Right. Yeah, now that's interesting with hospital because Byron had a very interesting experience in Australia. In Australia, I think it was like the first revolution against Hostel World and their increasing booking fees, and they, they really revolted against them. Strength in numbers. Please tell more. So there was a Sydney declaration where 60 operators banded together and said, you want to increase the commission, then fine, we're going to take all of our 60 hostels combined off of your platform. Phenomenal. Mm -hmm. right. And that's what happens when you can create an association. Yes, yes, strength in numbers, which is why we're so supportive of his movement and think yeah. that it's great that someone's finally grabbing the bull by the horns to say, well, I'll do this because I know all of you don't have the time to do this. Yeah. But now you collectively give the time you do have and we can have that strength in numbers. So we'll be promoting and plugging Byron all along our way to, to help him get that grass movements campaign because that's what we need to, in this country to have a voice and to have strength in numbers and to make a difference right. in those areas. We are still in Providence, Rhode Island at the Providence Hostel and Guest House. And now we're going to dive into some operational strategies and what makes your hostel great. And I think this is a fantastic opportunity for you two to highlight the struggles of expansion. You've got one existing hostel. It's running well. The shop's mm -hmm. doing good. Mm -hmm. What are some operational insights that you could give to maybe another hostel owner that's thinking of making that jump to an expansion in the city or even expansion or jump mm -hmm. to another city? What are some operational uh, sure. backbones that would be there for you. So ask your, find out from your guests, we always ask our guests where are they coming from, where are they going to, uh -huh. and in doing so we found out that Boston popped up a lot. Mm -hmm. They were either coming from Boston, going to Boston, okay. and they would ask us if we could recommend a good hostel, mm -hmm. and there's, there's 
well, HI is, of course, the big import over there. there. Yeah. 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 And we said HI, but there was, and we tried to visit a few. There was none that we really felt that we would love as mm -hmm. guests, and we thought, okay, uh, often a problem is also a business opportunity. Sure. Let's, yeah. Bless you. Yeah. <laughs> Let's maybe open up one ourselves. So, so find out from your guests where where else are they going to? Ideally, I like it when a, your secondary location could be close to you. It yes. makes managing the secondary location Absolutely. easier. Uh, yeah. Running back and forth if you have to yeah. easier. But I should also say that Joe and I, and we're also very close friends, we started as friends, and people say, oh, you shouldn't go into business with your best friend. Not necessarily true. For us, our friendship has grown because we're business partners. <laughs> yeah. No, that is, that could be right. It's, uh, it helps if you have a partner. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And you two do. Yes, so. yep. and we are in a similar situation. Yeah. I think yeah. that our, our relationship has grown stronger over the trials and tribulations and struggles yeah. you go through. You're gaining more trust in each other, more confidence. Yeah. You're in the foxhole with each other. Yeah. And uh, you know, I, I often hear that same thing. Oh, you shouldn't go and visit your friends. But it's in that, that class thing, well, you know, in a relationship that's intimate, shouldn't you try to find your best friend? Right. Yeah, you know, right. what they're trying to tell you. Yeah. So I think that a lot of times you can you can find someone who's a friend, and if they have complementing skill sets, you know, yeah. uh, Bobby studied marketing and sales in college, and I studied accounting and real estate, so it was yeah. very much useful for us to lean on each other in yeah. those areas, right. and it makes it a lot more uh, feasible to make that yeah. jump, right? But the other thing I want to say on expansion yeah. is we're both, both Joe and I are on the same page. We don't want to have a hostile empire, you know? Uh -huh. we, we, yeah. we don't. I, I, I think Boston may well be the last point that we expand to. Um, we're, we're comfortable. Uh, what we value is having more balance and mm -hmm. being able to travel for months right. every year. Yourself, which, do. Yeah. which keeps you in tune yeah. with your clientele. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And enjoying life. It never ends. The yeah. awesome yeah. things never close. Yeah. 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 Exactly. That's a very good point though, because I think yeah. as Americans we're bred to be capitalists. Yeah. Right? And if mm -hmm. you have a business that's going well, it's gonna get bigger, it's gonna get bigger, right. it's gonna get bigger. Right. And I want more and I want more and I want more. Yeah. And it's kinda of counterintuitive to the actual vibe of the hostel. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. so I think that's a very valid point you make and one yeah. that every hostel owner in America who wants to grow and be ambitious and if you start to find yourself reading hotel books by like yeah. Conrad Hilton and things like this, right. you all of a sudden you're like, wow, why am I doing this? I'm trying to, you know, take over everything. Yeah. And you know, but that's I think a very valid point made yeah. that that doesn't need to happen. Yeah. And would be better off going the route of a, a movement like Byron has, yeah. where getting the collective independent operators together yeah. to get that same type of strength that a Hilton would, right. but yeah. without losing your identity. What I'm more excited than building a hostile empire is to introduce young people to the concept of hostile and have them love hostels, start hostels, yes. and spread a movement because I think uh, this, this may sound a little bit far-fetched, but I truly believe it. I think hostels can change the world. I agree. I yeah. really do. Yeah, yeah. 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 and I, I definitely personally get a self-fulfillment from that. Yeah. You know, why do you love what you do and you feel like you're not working, you feel motivated right. to do it. And it's that element of that I've had, you know, I've had so many people over the years that contact you. Uh, 
staying with you changed my life, or I met this yeah. person, or I found this out about myself, yeah. or I started my own hostel because yeah. of you guys. You hear all those yeah. things, and it fills you up, you know, and it keeps yeah. you going. So yeah. I, I think that's definitely a very organic motivation. Yeah. Right. It's also very interesting the way that our industry has this duality between people who pursue it as a lifestyle business, and also it's still a business mm -hmm. model that's interesting to venture capitalists. Yes, we yeah. wouldn't have exactly. generator and freehand right. mm -hmm. if there wasn't also the possibility okay. to make a good returns on your investment. And I think that it's good that we have these different sizes of hostels mm -hmm. because. These kind of homing ones, you know, there's definitely a lot to be said for this experience, but there's also something that's really fun about being in Europe at a 500-bed hostel and there's 50 people on the pub crawl. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, it's just a totally different vibe and experience. Right. It has its time and its place. And the range is important. I always, you know, so many people will say like, oh, you know, freehand's coming or... You know, Hilton's making Moxie or Flux or these different chain brands. And I've always had a duality to that as well. That's a little concerning that they might be coming to the neighborhood. But I'm also inspired by the fact that if they are coming, that means we're onto something. Because mm -hmm. they wouldn't be if there were. Right. So I think that's where Byron's right, that the timing is right and it is necessary. Because pretty soon the timing is going to be gone. And the opportunity is going to be gone to band together and make this collective community of genuine, authentic hostel operators so that we don't get eaten up and smothered by the big operators to the point where the American right. demographic may never even get to see really what the hostel was right. because it was just eaten up by the capitalistic <laughs> ways of the monsters. Right. And so, actually, go. Uh, actually, it's part of our goals to actually reach out to Americans mm. uh, to kind of educate them about hostels yeah. and hostel way of traveling yeah. uh, because we have students as a resource in Providence yes. because there's a lot of universities and we want to work with some of these students that are American that may have not had an opportunity to stay in a hostel to come and stay in our hostel for a free night just so they can experience that and that's they can awesome. kind of spread the word among yeah. their friends. I think that's such a cool idea in, in, in that awareness movement you know and if more people like yourselves and the Bunk and Brew guys, you know, could do something like that. And just yeah. us here, like, I know we'll have a conversation away. I'm like, we got to do that too, you know. And getting them at that student level, they're very much in that incubator process. Right. I'm learning, I'm developing, I'm finding out what I like. I'm willing to try things. I'm still risky, you know. I think that you got to capture the advantage of that age demographic. Yeah. What is the biggest challenge you guys find for, you guys have a great place here for keeping the standard up and what is your day to day part? owner challenge, what would you say? You know what, sometimes we take a, we take on volunteers, um, mm -hmm. we, we are looking, actively looking for a manager and sometimes it's tricky to find volunteers. Mm -hmm. um, that's why we are very grateful for sites like World Packers yes. because they help with that. If, if there were even more volunteers coming, yes. that it's it's That's amazing. Provides a really nice dynamic yeah. to the whole homey yeah. experience. Yeah. We have a few nice uh, travelers yeah. living here, and it and it's great us. for them because they get a free place to live. Mm -hmm. um, you know, just coming here with their backpack, the bed is ready sure. for them. Yeah, I, I've always said that. Uh, you know, for my own experience and what we were told at USA hostels, and I yeah. think they were very much spot on with this. Your work exchange volunteer staff can be 
worth its weight in gold or your worst liability. If they're not trained well, you know, it's a nightmare. You sometimes find yourself saying, I could do this better myself. <laughs> You're in my way. But if you do train them well and you have a good environment and culture and vibe, it can really be a game changer that uh, sets aside the whole experience. We've gotten very good at our filter. We mm. do a, a video interview with everyone. Yes, we have yes, our so questions that yes, we yes, yes. We're systematic. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we don't hire anyone without a video or a phone interview. Yes, yeah, because it's so hard once they're in. That's a whole different yeah. story. And I think World Packers has done a fantastic job on their platform they for really have. focusing in on hostels. Yeah. You know, as you have Workaway and you have HelperX and you have these mm -hmm. other uh, forums that are, are very broad-based for everything. Mm -hmm. uh, we've even had people from woofing.com working mm -hmm. out on Dan yeah. Farms. And it's, we've had good people come through, but this platform that World Packers created in its way that's very connected to the hostel owners and managers yes. and receptive to yeah. our suggestions for change. Their platform is yes. great too. It helps find the good people and mm -hmm. filter out ones that you might not need or people that may be good but maybe you need a different skill set and things mm -hmm. like that. So I think that's a very valid challenge that we face. Uh, but if you use the proper channels and uh, have the proper systems, it can yeah. work out fine. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we're going to take a quick break yeah. uh, and uh, stay tuned for more. This podcast is fueled by CloudBeds, the America's premier real-time property management cloud-based software. Managing over 17,000 properties worldwide, including six of my own. Handling all of our needs from managing guests and reservations, distributing room availabilities, saving inventories, and collecting payments. We're going to jump into our last sector of the episode, which is more highlighting the guest experience in your city uh -huh. and what would be some great times or events. You've mentioned the water fires and things like that. And then also diving into just things like the perfect day of the, uh, for the guest in the hostel. Uh, but so what, in your opinion, would you suggest to someone looking to come here or be like, you've got to come here for this event or this time of season? Well, I think they definitely need to visit College Hill area. That's mm -hmm. the area where the universities are. Yes. Brown University and RISD. Mm -hmm. Very fun to walk around there. The architecture of the houses is beautiful. And the student vibe. Yes. Is nice. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Is that all year round or? I would say all year round. Yeah. yeah winter, of course, like in all cities, it's. You're a little more bundled up. There's yes. not as much happening outside on the streets. But uh, but hundreds, maybe a hundred thousand students still in the right. winter town. Yeah, they're, they're so, active. Yeah, you know, you're you're not you're not slowing down as much as some winter towns do. Right. That's for sure. Right, and then Federal Hill is another little gem. Wow. It's, yes. it's, a, it's a historic little part of Providence. It's the Little Italy. Lots mm. of bars and restaurants and lots of. Um, they even have painted the Italian flag on the street. It's that Italian. <laughs> the red, white, and green. Um, I love also the nearby. There's sailing opportunities close to Providence. Um, the the beach is not that far. It's not right here, but it's, yeah. it's not that far. And I love Roger Williams Park. Oh, that's a gym, too. Yeah, yeah. a lot of lakes. I go there for uh, walking and biking. Right, yeah. and I'm a foodie, so I... Like all the food truck options, great, yeah. restaurants, yeah, the city. And one of the advantages of staying in a hostel is that you can't afford that expense, expensive restaurant if you've saved a little bit of money on the accommodations. Exactly. And we see that a lot at our hostels as well. Exactly. So what about 
Providence as a community, just to kind of come back around on that, as we have talked about the issues and the barriers of the awareness and dealing with the municipalities and the communities and the neighbors even. Sometimes it might not be the city that's your problem, but the neighbor is just horrified about what you're doing next door because they don't understand. How is you, It seems like you've had a nice neighborhood reaction. We're blessed. Our neighbor across the street is, is super friendly. He even lets us park. Um, oh, lovely. A lot there, yeah. We, he's he's a he's a collector. I think that's the that's a nice <laughs> term for hoarders. Now. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes we buy some uh, some of the stuff that he that he sells. Sure. To kind of maintain that good relationship and encourage him in his endeavor. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, our neighbors have been very friendly. We're, mm-hmm. We've also looked to to make connections with. Um, some of the local businesses like New York System where your buddy over there grabbed food. Oh, the hot dogs, yeah. yeah that was great, yeah. Yeah, the, the owner is very active in his business, so we we often try to support him. And his food is good, frankly. Yeah. Yes. Um, so and affordable. Yeah. And, yeah, that's a, that's a great thing. It's important to forge connections with mm-hmm. people in your neighborhood. Outstanding. Now, how about you know the kid who comes in late night he checks in and then he gets up the next morning and he says, I've got one day here in this city before I go to Boston, New York, which is so commonly on this trail that we've talked about. Mm-hmm. What would you say to him that, you know, you've got to knock this out to make sure, sure you see these? There's a diner like uh, half a block from us for breakfast. Mm-hmm. We really recommend it because it's, it's a quintessential New York diner. Like there's not a tourist in sight unless it's one of ours um, because there's no hotels really near here. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's a lot of blue collar workers. Um, It's, it's that diner that you would see in the movies and then walking down to the state house. The state house is one of the most beautiful buildings in America. It's gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. It's the third largest dome building marble. in the world. Marble dome building in the yeah. world. Mm. And the tour, they get, they get free tours inside. Really, really interesting history. Um, I didn't know this. I'm actually, I've lived most of my life in New York, so I'm, an, I'm a transplant here. But the, the freedom of religion that's in our Constitution, the explicit freedom of religion, mm-hmm. came because Rhode Island said, well, we're not joining unless you explicitly write it in there. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So broke they, off from Massachusetts. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So the history of Rhode Island is very interesting, and they can get a taste of it by visiting the State House for the free tour. Yeah. Then from there, it's just a five-minute walk to College Hill walking around Brown University and RISD. Uh, from there, walk through downtown Providence, make it a quick walk because Federal Hill is right. the real highlight. And is public transport readily available? Yes, public transport is. I'm a walker, so I just yeah. walk everywhere. Right. Everything is within, you know, we're 15 minutes from downtown. Mm-hmm. Everything is maybe 40 right. minutes. Yeah, uh, the bus is like $2. Very cheap, you yeah. You run until 10 p.m. and you can go all the way to Newport for yeah. $2. Yeah, that is great, yeah. yeah. I go for Buddhist meditation. It's like 30-minute walk, but I drive sometimes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> 30 minutes sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. After your night, 10 minutes, relax. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I want to get there relaxed. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us here in thank Providence, Rhode us. Island. Thank and you for having us. First show. ever Providence Hostel, the Providence Hostel <laughs> guest house, with the co-founders Miss Gabriella yeah. and Joseph, and thank you so much for participating, and also Byron from American Hostels. Thank you so much for thank joining you for having us. Me. Yeah. Well, thank you so much to all of our listeners, and we hope that you follow us on HostelRoadTrip.com. 
to see past episodes and information on our upcoming episodes. If all schedules well, we will be heading up to Boston to interview a staff member of the hostile pirate ship, the Liberty Clipper, which we had the um, experience of staying on a few nights ago, and it was really fun. And we hope to have a good scene up there, and then we head westward. Yeah. All right. Thank, Thank you, everyone. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> All right.